We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you uh, on a Tuesday, I believe. So, uh, as we referenced, I think, yesterday, going a little bit extra this week, um, because it is obviously the NBA draft. There is a lot going on. So, we got an episode coming at you today. Got an episode coming your way tomorrow. And then, of course, we are building up to a live stream, which will take place during the draft, um, which you could catch on the Knicks Film School YouTube channel. On Thursday night, I think we'll be getting uh, kicked off uh, probably a little bit before the Knicks make their first pick, depending on, of course, how the night goes. But um, don't forget, check out the Knicks YouTube, uh, Knicks Film School YouTube channel for that. Um, but on this episode, we, of course, talk draft with none other than Prez from the Strickland. He was on the show uh, I think about a month ago. We did a, uh, a crossover with Pod Strickland. Him and uh, Schwinn and Jeremy, uh, we got into some of the weeds of the NBA draft on this episode. Talked about some of the guys that Prez really likes. Um, we obviously focused on the players which we foresee being uh, potential targets based on where the Knicks are drafting. Um, and we got into some details on on some of these guys, which I, I really enjoyed the conversation. It was a little bit different from the Wasserman pod. The Wasserman pod, we, I think, were a little bit more focused on how the draft was going to unfold um, and maybe some of the opportunities that, that might be there. This one, we got more into the players themselves and uh, strengths, weaknesses, ceilings, floors, uh, things of that nature. Um as I said, you will enjoy this because Prez is very, very, very good at what he does. Um, I think that's it. Oh, we also got into the Eric Bledsoe trade, um, which happened on uh, late Monday afternoon. So if you're interested in that, you will hear that at the top of the episode. Then we get into all the prospects. I think that is it. All right. Without further ado, enjoy my conversation about uh, the Bledsoe trade and the NBA draft with Prez. Joining me now on the Knicks Film School podcast. Oh boy, the craziness has already begun. 
Um, you have seen his draft coverage uh, on the Strickland. Uh, he was uh, a guest on this pod a year ago, I believe, after the draft happened. And we were like going through it and we were trying to react in the moment. I remember that podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, Prez of Strickland fame. Hello, Prez. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you? I am. Uh, you know what? I have a beer in my hand. It's been a long day. And um, I've been looking forward to this conversation all day because... Um, you know the draft really well. And also, we got some breaking NBA news, which I think we're, we we could spend a minute reacting to before we get to some draft stuff. Um, but first, I will all open and return the favor. How are you doing? Uh, this was a two-coffee kind of day for me, and I could use a beer. Don't have one. We'll probably get one shortly after this is uh, <laughs> is finished. If I, can, if I had the ability to transmit a beer through zoom i would do that um sadly technology has not gotten to that point yet though look look when it's twenty thirty five, and we're discussing the fit of like keon anthony as a potential new york knicks draft pick out of syracuse university you can 3d print me one uh down the line at some point that sounds fair um, so before we get to well i mean this is actually draft stuff so um it, for anybody who doesn't know, and and I just informed uh, Prez of this before we started recording, um, one trade that uh, many a Nick fan had uh, circled on their on their board because we all have draft boards in our house, right? Um, was for the Knicks to trade uh, nineteen or twenty one, I suppose, um, to move up to get ten and uh, take on Eric Bledsoe. So Knicks would be killing two birds with one stone potentially. Um, they'd get their starting point guard at least for the next year and they'd get a better draft pick. That trade is now off the table because Memphis did it. Um, they sent uh, Jonas Valanciunas along with 17 and uh, 51. Oh, Jonas was in it. No, yeah, Jonas was in the trade, yeah. Oh, that makes it make a lot more sense. I was very confused. Okay. So, because otherwise uh, Memphis would not have had, they had to send out some salary even if they um, do away with um, yeah. Justice Winslow, uh, the, who they have a team option on. Anyway, Anyway, so um, this trade allows New Orleans to offload not only Eric Bledsoe, but Steven Adams as well, along with um, the 10th pick in this year's draft, the 40th pick in this year's draft, and wait for it, a future protected uh, 2022 first round pick via the Lakers. Um, so probably not. I think the that's I would imagine that pick is like lottery protected. Pro- probably not a very good pick considering it'll convey next year and the Lakers are probably going to be pretty good next year. Prez, can I give you the fake trade that I am now going to have to delete from the, uh, what's today? It's today, Monday? From the Tuesday edition of the Knicks Film School newsletter. Yeah, let's hear it. Okay, here it was. Um, the Knicks would take on Bledsoe and Steven Adams. Um, they would also receive Kyra Lewis Jr. and the 10th pick. And they would send back um, the oh, sorry. And they would get one other thing, which I'll get to in a sec. They would send back 19 and Mitchell Robinson. Um, But wait for it. Here's the kicker because of the and I guess they didn't do this or Memphis wasn't able to do this. But New Orleans has access to Milwaukee's pick in 2024 and L.A.'s pick in 2024. Four. So in my fake trade, the Knicks would get to choose from a buffet of 
three, count them, three future first round picks in 2024. The better of or the best of Milwaukee's, the Lakers or New Orleans. That is the fake trade I came up with, which I'm not going to delete. Do you want my reaction? Yes, I want your reaction. <laughs> um, that, that's a lot. Uh, so the Knicks get the 10th pick? The Knicks get the 10th. So who, 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 like, the first question is, like, who are you targeting with the 10th pick? Because you don't do this unless, you don't do a trade like this unless you're not so enamored with a year of stopgap Eric Bledsoe or those future picks that are probably not going to be that good because Giannis will be very much in his prime. And I'm assuming Anthony Davis didn't die in the next three years. So uh, don't think any of those picks will be good. Well, no, but it's also hold on. It's New Orleans also is, is one of the picks that could be. A, it's it's the best of New Orleans, L.A.'s or Milwaukee's. Also, the team with Zion for now, the team with Zion. OK, uh, like I said, all three of those picks project to be not great picks. Um, huge Kyra fan, though. Uh you know, I was a big fan of him last year. As were um, allegedly the Knicks, if if you believe what you read. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I remember the reports of them like sitting down for dinner with him and all yes, that. Yes, in my in well, Miami, who, I believe it was. I'm curious, who's your who's the guys you would like in the ten range? Um I think Moody would be would be interesting um there, possibly. Um I guess he I mean, yeah, I guess it would be it would probably be Moody. Um even though I'm not I don't know how high I am on Moody. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I mean, to me, the two guys are Moody and Giddy. Um, okay. Uh, but, like, I I don't think – I'm not so – and mind you, I have Moody, I think, fifth on my Knicks board. But, okay. So I'm very high on him, but I don't and, – and Giddy, I think, is – I have, like, the a grouping of Moody, Sharif, and Giddy right I, there. I like saw this, yes. Seven. We're going we're gonna to talk about your board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, my pyramid. <laughs> my pyramid scheme. It's a beautiful pyramid. It's I would not call it a scheme. It is everybody wins. This is not fake. Uh, uh, but yeah. Well anyway, the main reason I object to this whole trade is because even among Homer Knicks fans on Homer Knicks Twitter, I don't think there's anyone higher on Mitchell Robinson than I am. So um I it it, it has to be that's why I asked about who you, who's the guy at ten, because like for me, I could actually justify it if there was someone I really, really, really wanted at 10. But as much as I love like Sharif, Moody, Giddy, all of them are wonderful. But I don't know if like I like Mitch a lot, man. So okay. <laughs> I don't know. I like I like Mitch a lot, too. Um, I guess I for reasons that I are probably not based in anything other than my own paranoia i wonder how high the, the knicks still are on oh yeah not on not on oh, mitch yeah. the player but on like committing to mitch long term and and taking the dollars that it would take to commit to him that's that that's yeah, that's totally fair totally fair. yeah um but i guess we'll we'll see what happens um all right well yeah. thank you for your reaction to my craziness <laughs> which i'm now going to summarily delete from from the news i'm looking forward to the other trades the other ones aren't as crazy i have a i have a, a Devonte graham one that b- will uh breaks league rules because it involves tampering and then i just have a, <laughs> a fairly boring marcus smart 
uh, trade that I came up with. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Well, you can check that out uh, to Tuesday's newsletter. But first, uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to talk about your, I guess, let's, yeah, let's go ahead and start and talk about your pyramid. So um, people have draft boards. Not many people have draft pyramids. You have a draft pyramid, my friend. And I have to say, the you you um, uh, downplayed your own graphic design abilities on this. This thing is beautiful. Uh, for anybody wondering, you could just go on Prez's. You should probably, do you want to, are you going to pin this maybe for people to look at it uh, this week? I I probably should. I, right now I have, my pinned tweet is supposed to link to multiple prospect shooting mechanics breakdowns, but there's only two in there. <laughs> so, man, okay, let's agree, let's agree that this will become your pin tweet by the, by okay, the right time okay. people listen to this. Good advice. I will do that. So, um, I, could we just, I, I kind of just want to go through this because this is a lot of work went into this. So you have one, one player and one player only in your tier one. It's Kate Cunningham. Right. Um, if I call you up and I'm Oklahoma City and you are, who's running? Is Troy Weaver is running? Um, uh no, Troy is in Detroit. Yeah. So oh yeah. So yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, oh, so yes, I am uh, I am yeah. calling up my former number two. You are you used to work for me, and now I'm calling you up, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to barter with you. Um, how many first round picks is it going to take from OKC's stash to to move up to get Cade? Well, I'll use this. I don't know when this pot is dropping. It'll, it'll drop to tomorrow, Tuesday. Okay, so the newest draft Strickland. Uh, shameless plug my podcast um also drops tomorrow and it was a live mock draft um uh involving the strickland draft team and many friends of the strickland and friends of kfs chris persianen and uh tyrese london controlled detroit and okc and did a blockbuster trade oh, okay. for cade and it it involved SGA and multiple picks, and I think that's what it would take. So SGA if, and picks, if that even worked. Okay. Yes. For me personally, like that's that's how I feel. Like, there's no. What are you going to do? Offer me five picks for a generational prospect? Like, get out of my face! Like, I need more than that. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, that's that's what I wanted. To I know. should also add this, this um this pyramid is specific for the Knicks, also not a. Uh, for like, like if I was putting like my whatever OKC hat or some other team, it would maybe look a little different. Okay, so I don't think that matters for pick one because it's Cade. I don't think that matters for picks two through no. four because you have Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and uh, Jalen Suggs in a tier of their own after Cade. I, if I was a betting man, yeah. I'd still bet on those being the next three guys off the board. Um, I like your your definition of those three. Might might could be stars for real for real. Um, I, I enjoy that. Um, tier three is where it starts to get interesting. So for the Knicks specifically, you have Moses Moody, fifth. I'm skipping over six for a second. You have Josh Giddy, seventh. And right in between those, as sixth on your Knicks-specific board, this isn't quite the the temperature level of the um, Grant Riller take from last year, but it's like... If that was like uh, Vegas in August, this is like Vegas in, I don't know, early June. Um, you have Sharif Cooper, sixth. So um, talk to me about Sharif, because we've talked off, offline about Sharif, but I want I want the, the fans at home to hear your thoughts on Sharif Cooper. Some people 
some people say the, the, the heat from the granite real estate still powers the Strickland servers to this day. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I love Sharif Cooper, and I think there's many reasons to think that he's an even better prospect than he showed at uh, Auburn. Um, the quick version is he's not a good shooter, but I don't think he's as bad a shooter as he showed at Auburn. Um, he shot like mid thirties in uh, AAU ball and an EYBL ball versus elite prospects in a similar sample size. Cause he only played 13 games at Auburn. Remember, which is not many. No, um, this is, it's not apples to apples, but we saw LaMelo be a passable shooter after 13 games of bad shooting. Um, if you look up RJ Barrett's first 13 games this year, you will see a really bad shooter. If you look up his last 13 games, you'll see a really good shooter. So, um, you know, your mileage may vary on uh, on what the stats mean, but, you know, people talk about his free throw percentage, and he definitely I was about needs- to say, are you – are you a big free throw percentage is is the best indicator for future shooting success guy? Not the best, not the best, but a factor for sure. Um, I think this is like a cop out, but like I think the mechanics and the I think I would say the three biggest things for me are mechanics, um, free throw percentage, and uh, three point like how often you shoot threes. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yeah, which is like a bit newer into my. Um, equation to be honest well he he so he took five threes a game in in 33 minutes like that's he's a willing shooter yeah that's that's good right i I mean yeah yeah okay yeah yeah exactly and that's part of it and to me it's like uh, like it's something it's so it's so funny how like our brains process certain numbers like we saw this with cole anthony last year like he shot 39 percent from the field there's something about like if a player shoots thirty nine percent versus if they shoot 40, <laughs> 40 yeah. where I'm like, ah, if it's forty, if it's just the four. inefficient, yeah, no, <laughs> it's thirty nine, and and you know twenty three percent is twenty five percent does not make that a beautiful number, but like it wouldn't have taken that many more threes to get him to like low thirties, and if his if you switched his AAU three point percentage of thirty five with his Auburn one, like nobody would be like, oh, like he's a non-shooter. They'd be like, no, he shoots thirty-five percent from three, eighty from the line, takes a lot of threes. He's fine. Well, so yeah. something I was very surprised to see when I was looking at synergy is um, on spot ups. He ranked in the eighty-six percentile on spot ups this year. Now, granted, there's thirty-three shooting possessions, which is like that's not good. That, that's that's not a lot, but it's just better. But but the eighty-six percentile, one point one two points per possession. That's that's solid, right? Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense intuitively if you think about – if you look at him shoot, you're like, why is he, like, leaning and tilting his head <laughs> and kind of, like, throwing it up there? And he's a short guy. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's doing that because he was a short guy for his whole life and he was playing against very tall guys and this was his way around it. And on free throws and spot-ups, you don't have a tall guy around you yeah. as much. So there's a reason why – he doesn't lean as much on free throws or on spot ups and why he makes them more. So you're you're just talking about correcting it really for off the dribble shooting much more than you are off the catch. Um, which is why, like, you know, we saw the video of him at his pro day and he was he was he looked a lot better, but like there was no tall guys there. So like I would hope it looks a lot better. So 
and the other thing that uh, in terms of volume, talking about um, again referencing synergy, 106 uh, possession shooting possessions is a pick and roll ball handler. That's but again, that's in 13 games, and he was uh, 0.83 points per possession, 70th percentile. Like he's like as against opposing backups next year, he should be able to do pr- like clean up pretty nicely on the pick and roll, right? Yeah, totally. And the other thing I'll add that I don't think people realize is like. He didn't practice with the team. Yeah, because he wasn't allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, he he came in, missed all the games versus like Texas Agricultural Extension <laughs> Community College or whatever. <laughs> Immediately jumped into the best basketball conference in college with yeah. tons of tons of guards, NBA guards, Trey Mann, Kentucky's whole team, even though they kind of stunk. Tennessee, Keon Spring, like all these guys are the guys he was going up against. LSU was a comp- LSU yeah, was a decent team. Like these were good teams or if they weren't good teams they at least had good players. Yeah. So he came in without practicing, without games versus the easy schools and shot inefficiently but consistently busted other teams ass like despite <laughs> that. So I'm like I'm you know the stats are stats but like in addition to the COVID, in addition to the small sample size, like you got to remember, like he went from zero to 60 from playing by himself to playing against the SEC. So like, I'll have a little bit of grace with his efficiency stats, you know? All right. You, you have sold me. And I think I told you, you may have sold me on this a little earlier. And, (laughs) and, uh, after what was it? I, you know what it is? I, I, I think I watched a couple games of his and I was a little bit, put off by I just I just you know me I'm a body language guy I didn't love some of the body language on defense he's a very neutral he's a very right like even when he's trying on defense it's very like there's a nonchalant maybe not uh-huh. nonchalant I know. demeanor not like like he yes, he, he has you. times where he gives effort and he has times where he doesn't yeah. but like he's not like oh, I, like I just locked it up like beat my chest uh, like I, whatever <laughs> no that's Daddy not on Mitchell no, that's not that's and look maybe maybe and I I think I probably put a little bit too much um stock in that and uh if he's there at 21 or 19 for that matter and the Knicks want to take a stab I I'd be all for it. Um in his in his interview with Mike Schmitz on ESPN, like you get a little bit I like watching these not for the basketball analysis although that's great, but like to learn about like just their personalities. No, no me too. I'm with, I'm with you. And he's like an old guy. <laughs> like he talks like he talks like a laid back old like he sounds and looks mannerism wise like an old guy in a rocking chair in his porch in the south. And fantastic. I'm like, oh, that's why he's nonchalant, because he's like a forty year old old guy. And maybe that's why he's such a great point guard too. I don't know. Um I think with this front office, um, I have a, it sure feels like, you know, the work ethic and like this front office, it seems like they do a lot of homework. And if that other stuff checks out and it's just like you said, it's just more of his personality than any indication of like what he is behind the scenes and all that stuff. Um, I bet you they go for it. Um, if, if presuming they, they keep these picks, but, um, let's keep going. Um, as we, as we get some more. News about Eric Bledsoe from Chris Haynes that he is not expected to stay in um, in Memphis. Who who knows where his next stop will be? Maybe we'll have an answer by the end of this podcast. 
<laughs> at this rate, nothing would surprise me. Um, man, I don't want Eric Bledsoe if I'm not getting something for the right to take on Bledsoe. Do you want? Do you like Eric Bledsoe? I don't like Eric Bledsoe. Not for us. No. There are worse I options, mean, like Alfred Payton, but not for us. <laughs> yes, there are. Yes, Alfred Payton. Just go be a backup on some contender. Just yeah. Um, okay, let's moving on. Okay, um, I you know I, I feel bad because people are really intrigued by Giddy, and he's the one guy I've kind of glossed over this this draft season because I just I have a tough time seeing this front office drafting. The foreign big point guard who, as of now, has not been able to shoot. Um, so I don't want to spend too much time on him. And let, like, what, what's your what's your thirty second pitch on Giddy? Um, I don't think he's a bad shooter. Okay. Um, I think he's a fine shooter. Uh, I don't think he's gonna shoot the the lights out, and he definitely needs work. But um, he's really good. He he produced versus adults. Um, he's Vision is incredible. I think, I to me, I, I'm higher than most on him because to me he pops more. People talk about him being unathletic, but like when you're that tall, like the rules go out the window. It's similar to they're different prospects, but it's similar to the conversations people had about Lamelo not being as athletic or not finishing well. And it's like the bar for what he needs to do is different because he's tall. Like if Josh Giddy takes two steps at, at starting at the three point line, he's at the rim. If he gets close to the rim, he doesn't need a crazy finish to be successful. He is taller than 95% of the players he goes against. So he doesn't need as diverse a finishing package. Um, he can see the path. Everything is easier when you're that tall. And and he's 18, was he 18 years old still? Yeah. And yeah. he's, he's, he's I'm, you'll notice in, in my list, I'm very high on almost all of the younger players, the 18 year olds. Um, well, yeah, Moody. Moody also is uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's, whatever. He's if he's nineteen, he's barely nineteen. Yeah, yeah, and even some of the guys who I have lower, like Garuba and stuff like that, who are really young. Like I have him low for other reasons. I I still am kind of like it doesn't show on the board, but I'm high on Garuba as well. So like okay. I guys who do a lot of great stuff when they're young, like that goes pretty far with me. Um. So, but there was also a report we should say after this trade that uh, Giddy may be the guy that um, Memphis has their eye on, and they may also that doesn't make sense. Well, let's well, fuck it. We'll talk about it for a second. Um, they may have to move up a little bit more to get him. I mean, if it's so n- next to Ja, you have Kyle Anderson, and like that's the other way Giddy can be. So if Giddy's not a point guard, point guard, he could also become like a Kyle Anderson type. But you have Kyle Anderson, so w- what are we doing? I don't know. Well, I, I maybe they're not factoring Kyle Anderson in a long term plan. I, I also wonder would they would they play them together in like just the backcourt? Um, yeah. Or are they you know I don't know. I'm listen. Points for creativity. I, and Memphis has shown themselves to be a pretty goddamn smart organization when it comes to drafting. So yeah, um, I'll. I'll, I'll go with whatever they say. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. If you love listening to us here at the Knicks Film School podcast, what's stopping you from grabbing a mic and starting your own show? There's no better place to host than Blue Wire Hustle. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and you just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and every other listening platform. And the best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to me talk about the Knicks, Make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more. And again, that's bwhustle.com slash join. Let's have some more fun with some guys that are actually possibly going to be on the board for the Knicks. Um, (laughs) So your tier four has two subgroups. Um, the first one are guys with, and, and if I mischaracterize anything, please let me know. Creation juice. <laughs> what color is the juice? Is it orange juice? Is it more like a, is it like a white grape juice? Um, I, no comment. <laughs> I love white grape juice. White grape juice is delicious for anybody who's never had it. You should try it. I've never, I've never. Had oh, it. you should it's give nice. it a shot. White grape juice. Is really, it's really sweet, um, but it's, it's very good. Um, with an plus other pluses like handle or size. And then your, your second tier is uh, versatile big wing bets that could make you look stupid. Why would they make you look stupid? Because you have, you're too low on them or too high on them. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm low. On uh, okay. Them. Um, Compared to a lot of people, I think, especially Barnes and I was about to say, so uh, again, I'm losing track of who's tweeting what, but somebody tweeted before that uh, Franz Wagner, apparently his his floor, I think uh, it was Wasserman, his floor is the top 10. So we don't really need to talk about him. Barnes is going to go wherever Barnes goes. JT Thor, I know there was some buzz about him getting um, like workouts with like late lottery teams before but then i also think he might be a second round pick like i don't really know what to make of him but again he's um i i don't think jt thor is on gonna be a, a nick let's let's talk about some of the guys in your first subgroup because i think they're really interesting so you have five five guys in this group so trey man um mcbride uh zaire williams um jane springer and uh jared butler 
trying to think which where which direction I want to go first. I'm re- you know I'm really high on man. I should say also like that's the order they're in and that's the order I prefer them okay. in. But like I I also don't like I could argue I could wake up tomorrow and put them in another order. Like they're all super close and good for different reasons. So here's the thing with 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 man. Um can I just throw something at you that's that's not confusing to me, but like I want to preface this by saying I'm not comparing these two players as defensive in terms of defensive potential, defensive and defensive anything. Right. Okay. I just want to put this out there. Keon Johnson. I still think is going to get drafted high. I, I, I think, well, maybe he falls a little bit further, but whatever, because teams see this like uber athletic wing who, if he figures out the shot creation part of it, like maybe he, he turns in something. He's six, four, he's six, four with a six, seven wingspan, but he's still six, four, right? I forgot to put him in my pyramid. Well, where would you, where would you put him now? Uh, think on that for a second. Let me just finish my, okay. okay. <laughs> he's six, four, six, seven wingspan, defensive chops out the fucking wazoo. Okay. Trey man is, Going to get drafted late, probably, because he is looked at as a guy who does not have the passing chops to be a starting point guard in the league, which I don't necessarily disagree with. And because he's right. Do you, do you agree or you disagree? Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I do agree. And because theoretically, he's too small to play the two. He's six four. I get the wingspan is like not quite negative, but it's close on negative. And I get his defense was not anything to write home about last year in, in um in Florida, he's also obviously coming off his sophomore year. Keon Johnson was just a freshman, but it's just it's just interesting how it feels like we uh, we've dismissed the possibility. Like, you know what? Maybe he could be a starting two guard. Like, I know CJ McCollum isn't the best starting two guard in the world, but the man got paid thirty plus million dollars a year, and that's still like a desirable contract. He does a lot of really good other things really well but like i don't know just trey man with the stuff that he's able to do and with the stuff that he's shown on tape is i just can't quit the idea that like man maybe just take the guy who can do all kinds of shit with the ball um i'm with you bro right is it it's not that insane no it's not there's a lot of reggie bullock is like six four six five and obviously he's a probably a better defender than than Trey Mann's going to be, but like number one, Trey Mann just turned six five. Like he was six three a year ago, so that's like, fair. He can still grow, yeah. And even if he doesn't, like whatever. Like none of these guys are going to be, except for like maybe Keon and Springer are going to be locked down two guards. Like I'm not concerned about that. Like our guard rotation last year wasn't that great a defense and we still had an elite defense and yes in the playoffs you want better point of attack defense blah 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 all those caveats but they survived but like, it they survived it right. as well against Atlanta as any other teams Atlanta played you know right right exactly so like I'm it's a concern but it's not like causing me to pass up on somebody for whom I am high on their offense like I am Trey Man. yeah um and and again just referencing some some uh synergy stuff uh off the dribble, 107 possessions off the dribble jumpers. He was in the 90th percentile. And then pick and roll ball handler, 88th percentile on 166 possessions. Um, I get the spot up numbers weren't great, but like, I don't know, man. I ain't worried about that. I ain't worried about I'm that. I'm not worried about it either. Okay. Um, 
But gun to your head, you're taking Sharif over Trey, huh? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's 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 like because we don't have any playmakers. Um, I man. Well, we have Julius. Aside, aside from, from Julius, I just more and more. I, I just I hope they if they end up with one of those two guys. I I'm like I've I've been asked the question like what is a good draft night for you and I've like I haven't been able to commit to anything because I'm just all over the place <laughs> with all of these players and I haven't fallen in love with anybody. But I think the closest guy I've come to fall in love with is Trey Mann. Um, and you've slowly but surely sold me on Cooper. If they walk away from this draft with one of those two guys, I I. I I'm pretty sure I'm going to be happy. Um, yeah. Uh, Zaire Williams. I mean, we've talked about it's a, up, it's a, it's a upside. Bet. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a project. I just, yeah, no. And you're, and look, I don't you're, think you're betting on, I don't think they would do it. I don't think they, would. Do I, it. I don't know. Um, but then now he's getting late buzzes. Like maybe he's a lottery pick. We'll see. Um, I want to spend a, a few minutes on, on Springer and Butler. Um, particularly Butler. Let's talk about Butler for a second because Butler's. So for anybody who doesn't know, um, Butler, uh, you have as the better of the two um, uh, Baylor guards, which is uh, a minority opinion. Most people have Davion Mitchell as the, the higher prospect. You have Mitchell. Where is Mitchell? Did you forget? to 26th. I, no, I have him 26th. I actually like Mitchell, oh, Davion, but I there just like okay. other guys more. I like other guys. Okay. More. See, so Butler, obviously he got cleared for his health condition. Um I uh, I hope Spencer doesn't mind me blowing up his spot, but like Spencer, um, I was texting. I've been texting like for several months about this draft, and he would always go back to if if uh, Butler gets cleared for the heart thing, um, he he would take Butler ahead of like all these other guards that we're talking about, just because it's like you know what you're going to get. You're going to get solid production. How much is that? How much value would that have to you? Because I feel like we know what we're going to get from Butler as a pro. Yeah, so this is one of those things where the why matters because I'm very high on Butler, but I it's less because of like that perception of him having a well-rounded, reliable game and more about upside for me. Um, because guys like Trey Mann or Deuce McBride or Zaire, who are all ahead of him on my board, like, they have something that absolutely leaps off the page. Trey is his handle and pull up. McBride is his defense. Sayer is he's like almost 6'10". <laughs> um, Jared Butler's an incredible shooter, an incredible ball handler. Don't get me wrong, but like he's he's really well-rounded, but we don't know if as a point guard he could put that together to be a real big scoring threat. What needs or to, to be happen? A real big passing. What threat. needs to happen to for me, that to to for that next step to take place? That's the right question. If you're a front office, that's the question <laughs> you should be asking to me. So GM GM Jonathan Macri on the right track. But like, I think it's one of two things or both. Number one is like because he was sharing a lot of the responsibilities with um with Davion. Like, obviously, he's going to share with whoever in the NBA, right? If he's on the Knicks, he's going to share with Julius yeah. and RJ. But like even sh- him being the the second of two big guns, like he still wasn't really putting up tons of shots. So like being a shooter is great and all that, but like you need to be a scoring threat if you're going to be a point guard, unless you're playing with like Ben Simmons or Luka Doncic or something like that. So 
I like that whole caretaker point guard shit is like very cool and it's definitely helpful and better than a bad point guard. But like as far as upside goes, he needs to leverage his shooting to be more of a scoring threat. Or the other thing he could do is he has really, really good handle, but he doesn't really get to the rim a lot. Yeah. Um, so I remember we had this conversation could, too. Yeah. If he could start using his handle to get to the rim and take layups more, you know, similar to what we're asking IQ to do. Yes. Um, and all that, although he's better than IQ at that already. Um, that's another way to become a scoring threat because then you become a threat in the paint. Um, it, so it's yeah. just it's just really interesting to me because like my the way my brain works, hearing you talk about that, my first thought is like, well, this team won it all last year. So any arguments that like what he wasn't doing, my first, again, glass half full response is like, well, maybe he was just doing what he knew he needed to do for his team to win games. And who amongst us should say that that's not the case because his team won whatever it was all but one game and they won all the, you know, the games that counted. I, I don't know. Um, no, that's completely correct. I think, I think, and that's the, I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm just saying I'm asking, can he yeah, do no, it? But that, which is what the yeah, fuck? No, that's, that's a great, yeah, that's a good, <laughs> which is why he's 12th on my board. Cause I think there's a good chance he can do it. Um, He's another guy that if the Knicks came away from this draft with him, I, I would not complain. Um, Look, I have I have a type. If you can handle the ball and do some other stuff, like you're probably going to be high on Prez's board. And Jared Butler is like, if you can handle the ball and you can shoot, that that gets you pretty far. Okay, let's talk about. I think probably this is probably the last point guard we're going to get a chance to talk about um, is is Springer. Well, and I'll give you a chance to, to stand for McBride, but McBride McBride would be like a he would be at a option at thirty two, right? I mean, quickly could have been an option in the second round, too. Yeah, that's true. That's very fair. That's how I'll sell you on McBride. It's like, to me, he's that kind of player. Um, but um, Springer, yeah. I, man, Springer, I again, I don't know what to make of him, really. What do you make of him? He's he's kind of scary because... Um, youngest, co- youngest college player in the draft, I think? The second youngest, I think, after Josh Primo. Oh, yes. Um, Forgot about Josh Primo. Yeah. Alabama. Okay. But... Uh, Springer, he just has an odd skill set for. I don't. He's not a point guard, first of all. Like he's he's not going to be a point guard. Um, he he's a project, and he has upside. And he, he, despite being raw, he produced a lot, which is really rare. Usually, the guys who are raw don't produce well on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, like Keon Johnson, for example. Um, Keon produced overall because he's a great defender, but on offense, like eh, he wasn't really good at a single. I mean, he's. Whatever, this isn't about Keon. No, I mean, Keon had some moments. Yeah, let me just say that. Yeah, Keon's high points on offense, aside from dunks, were him being a good mid-range shooter, and nobody will ever want him to take mid-range shots in the (laughs) NBA. He's a worse finisher than Trey Mann, despite having a 9,000-inch vert. So, like, the perception of his offense exceeds his offense by Which is lot. probably why you forgot to put him on your board. <laughs> probably why I forgot to put him on my board, exactly. Anyway, so, um, but Springer was a, a good contributor on offense, as you were saying. Yeah, but he is also, like, he has a lot of things that are really important for him to work. This is, okay, I got it. This is the best way I could put it for Springer. He has a lot of things that he needs to work on, but none of them are asking him to make any crazy leaps. So, like, he shot well from three. Okay. But he he was a reluctant shooter. He only took like fifty on the year or something like that. 
And he can and, I just jump in because again I've tried to watch as much because ten- both of those guys were interesting to me. Um, I tried to watch as much of Tennessee as possible. He he, it felt like he was taking a lot of time on his threes. Oh, yeah. But again, he could take that time because no one was anywhere near him when he was taking those shots. I'm not gonna say all of them, but it's it seemed like that was the case for a lot of them. Yeah, for sure. And um, he was a reluctant player, not just with his shooting, but with everything. Yeah. So like he say somebody closes out on him, it's not uncommon for him to to see an opening and be like, "That's not enough of an opening. I'm gonna." reset so he's very yeah, careful maybe that's not a bad quality careful. though it's not and then then he, so so this is another really fascinating question to me is is it easier to make a player who is tentative and conservative aggressive or Ooh. the reverse i actually think it's the reverse i think it's easy because the thing is everybody coming into the nba has to dial it down a notch pj tucker was german league mvp <laughs> and pac 12 yeah, player of the yeah. year and is a spot-up shooter in the corner in the NBA. So, like, 99% of NBA players come into the league and have a reduction in their role. But asking you to be more aggressive is pretty tricky. And I'm not saying Springer can't do that. Um, oh. <sighs> he he just needs some time. To, again, he's very young, so he just needs time to find himself and find that confidence and it's not, I don't even feel comfortable saying he lacks confidence. It's more, he just is tentative and he like, he knows his strengths and he doesn't experiment that much and he underestimates himself often. And then like separate from that, there's also some other things like related to flexibility and kind of physical stuff that I think he needs to improve. Like another weird thing about him, if you watch him is, um, he only does like two hand passes. Yes, and he leaps off of two two feet only, right? And he leaps yeah. off two feet. But again, yeah, we, so we like, should note that uh, apparently the ankle was not um, where it was supposed to be all year, and and that is better now. Um, I also just I wonder Tennessee was a they were ranked in the top ten for most of the year, right? Really yeah, good, so yeah. like you know, and they had a stacked team. They had that you know that team was supposed to compete for a national championship so when you're talking about one of the youngest players in college basketball being asked to come in there and be a contributor and play whatever he played 25 30 minutes a night you know it's just i don't know it's it's again interesting it's in he's an interesting player he's an you know i'd be interested if the knicks wind up taking him i don't i don't know that i i think i th- let me say this i think your general order is right I'm, i i think i have man and and cooper I would put Springer there and then for me, or sorry, Butler there. And then I think I might have Springer a tad lower than those other three in whatever order those three are. But I get where you're going Springer first because of the upside over Butler. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, he has stuff to work like flexibility, being aggressive, whatever. But none of those things, you're not asking like a whack shooter to become a great shooter. Like those things are all things we've seen NBA players do regularly. Okay. Tier five, um, the biggest, the bottom of the pyramid for the commoners, as it were. Um, more fluidity than the number indicates depends on tons of factors. And then you have a small novella here. In, um, <laughs> <laughs> you can read the first sentence of each and that pretty much gets it. So the, the, uh, we have your, the star in your role type players. And then um, in the second group, good creation juice with low floor um and or infrastructure concerns um 
I love that you have Jonathan Kaminga 27th on your board. That's fantastic. Not a fan. Not a fan, bro. <laughs> I wonder how many NBA teams are going to be a fan of his uh, come. A lot, a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> Do you, Well, no, but like, listen, every fucking year there's someone who falls. Every year. And it, it's not always for the same reasons, but every year there's someone who's like, wow, how is that guy still on the board? Right? Is there not? Maybe he's the yeah. guy this year. You know, you, you never know. Someone asked me that. They were like, who do you think is most likely to fall? And he's my pick. Yeah. No, because again, when you're, when you're, when, when GM's asses are on the line, um, before we, we'll, we'll finish with some of the guys in the first half here at tier five. I do want to ask you about book night because you have him pretty low. You have him 24th. Do you just not, do you not like him or do you just like a lot of other guys more? Uh, both. Uh, I think he's really talented, but I think, I don't know that the things he's good at, like work well together just that's the best way i could put it like like he's a good stationary shooter but he's always running off ball a lot we and we saw that kind of with tyrese maxi like he was like at kentucky running around like reggie miller or something rip hamilton but he can't (laughs) shoot so like okay what good is that skill if you run around a lot but you can't shoot well so um obviously he had a a fair amount of isolation possessions at Connecticut and he, he was pretty good with those. And mm-hmm. I feel like that's why he's gotten like, he, he gets the gold star for like, this is your, you know, sub, you know, for there's your top tier of the draft. And like, he's become that, like the next guy that people are putting in there is like, this is the next best shot creator you could get. And meanwhile, if you look at the numbers, it's like off the dribble, he was just like, eh, pick and roll ball handler. He's eh, spot ups. Yeah. Not, we we don't want what we see. And granted, you could teach spot ups, but his his spot up numbers really sucked. They were really not good at yeah, all. Yeah, I'm actually confident that in, he'll be a good spot up shooter in the NBA. Um, but it's just like everything else doesn't like his handle's not that good. All those other guys in my tier four, Man McBride's Zaire's, but every single one of them has way better handle than book than book. And he again, he's not going to be a point guard. And we were talking about Trey Mann before. What is Book Knight's? Is he 6'5"? I mean, whatever. To me, there's no appreciable difference between the size of Book Knight and the size of Trey Mann. So why is Trey Mann going in the 20s and Book Knight's going to... Whatever. Because one can windmill. The other can't. (laughs) It's fucking stupid. You're right. And it's it's fucking stupid. Anyway, um, let's finish up by talking about some of the guys in the first half of your tier five. Um, All right. Well, we kind of buried the lead. uh, Is the, the guy that well again maybe they're sending out smoke screens but seems to be on new york's radar is duarte um i just wrote a whole thing about the age and like whether or not that's a big deal i don't know the answer um does the age how much does the age bother you he's 24 you know it bothered me a lot for most of the draft cycle and then i moved him up a ton because i started thinking about it and it's like there's what are they saying in the reports that reggie bullock is looking at like nine ten mil a year 10, 10 a year, a little bit more than 10 a year of uh, average annual value. If if he winds up getting a four year, I don't think they're going to give him four guaranteed years because he's 30 years old. Um, yeah. I think I could see him giving them three, you know, maybe. But Yeah, so I don't think Reggie Bullock is four times better than Chris Duarte <laughs> right now in 2021. And that's about going to be the difference in their salaries. And Chris Duarte can actually do 10 times more than Reggie Bullock off the dribble right now. Um, yep. Reggie Bullock got erased in the playoffs because of that. He was, I mean, look, I've, 
I'm a big Reggie Bullock fan. I stand for it as too, my man. producer, Andrew Claudio, will attest to. I stand for Reggie Bullock after uh, many a game in which people were like, we need an improvement over Bullock. I'm like, no, if he's in his right role. That said, he was paralyzed. He had his legs cut. He might not have, he might as well not have even had any legs in, in the playoffs. I mean, that's just the reality. Um, could do nothing. And as you said, Duarte. Like the, the tape doesn't lie. I don't think he's a wow. He's it's really appealing that he can shoot so many kinds of threes, like off the dribble, going left, going right. Yep. In the mid, he can shoot from midi, can shoot off the catch. He relocates. He's good at all the shooting, basically. And you know he's decent at defense and decent at passing. Not small. He's six six. Right. He's you know. So to me, it's like you're signing because he's twenty four years old. So. This is basically a free agent signing as far as I'm concerned. You're signing a free agent for $12 million, four-year contract, $12 million. Yeah, that's a great that's a great contract. And once I started Sign thinking about up. it like that, I was like, yes. In my own, like, Prez runs the Knicks world, I'd prefer, like, Malik <laughs> Monk or whatever. But, like, I'd prefer Chris Duarte on $12 million for four years to Reggie Bullock for three years, $33 million or whatever, by a lot. Yeah, um... Yeah, you, I, I don't think we need to say anything else. I just, um, it's a matter of does does Golden State take him? Does one of these other teams take him? Again, GMs um, are are feeling the heat under their fannies, and um, they know if they draft this guy, he'll he'll make their team better. And um, the only other thing I'll say is like, I I'm a big fan of his, but if he's our only pick, I would be very disappointed. That's fair. No, I, I I'm I'm with you on there. Um, Trey Murphy the third, uh, his stock is way on the rise. Is that just a matter of like he's a six nine guy who could play the two and defend basically any opposing wing and like the shooting numbers are from for anybody who doesn't know, his shooting numbers from three are like ridiculous from from standstill. He's he's really good. Um but there's also stuff like he if you're if you're buying upside there, you're 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 buying it based off of a very, very limited, you know. Sample size, right? Yeah. I, I don't know if he can play the two. It's pretty hard for tall guy that guy's that tall to play the two. So okay, so he's a three. Let's let's call him a yeah, three. Yeah, like a three four, maybe some more four minutes when he puts on some weight. Like you know, like everybody sees what Cam Johnson is doing and they're like literally the same player. Okay. Like six nine. Um, you know, Cam came into the league, the concerns were can he play defense and he's not that athletic. And he learned to play defense and he got more athletic. And Trey Murphy plays defense. And is athletic. So I see why lots of teams really love Trey Murphy. I will say the one thing that does scare me a little is that like all he shot was spot up. Like he he wasn't like running around screens like crazy. He was taking no off the dribble threes. He took- did did not finish uh, possessions as a pick and roll ball handler. I think he finished six all year. Yeah, yeah. Like that's not his game. Yeah. So my thing is like how do you know what happened to Reggie Bullock wouldn't happen to Trey Murphy? That's, because Cam Johnson could get away with it because he has Chris Paul and Devin Booker on his <laughs> team. So there will always be enough creation on the floor. But Cam, Cam put the ball on the floor a few times in this postseason, right? Yeah. Oh. He, he did. He's gotten he's gotten a little bit better at that. And and that would be like a major key for uh for Trey is to be able to just do simple shit like like the Danny Green package, which is like yes. two dribbles pass, two dribbles floater, two dribbles dunk. Like yes. if you do that, you're good. <laughs> That's very, very well said. Um, I let's. I think we have time for for one or two more. Um, who who's IJ? Isaiah Jackson. Oh, 
SHL, Mr. Jackson. So we should probably talk about the guy who we're going to be talking about after this draft because the Knicks are going to pick him because he's a fucking Kentucky guy. It is destined. It is destined. Um, I mean, again, you're talking so. Um, and Wasserman brought this this uh, point up on the pod that we we did to end last week. So you you just made the point about the what it costs to get a, like a half decent starting not really starting wing but like starting ish wing versus like mm-hmm. what Duarte is going to cost. Um, you can make the same point about Jackson versus what it costs to get a shot blocking oh, yeah. rim protecting center, except that guy is not costing you. Three years, $30 million. He's costing you one year, $5 million, because we just saw Nerlens Noel get that exact fucking contract, which, again, I'm, I'm parroting what, what Was said on this pod. Um, so is there as much of a necessity to draft an Isaiah Jackson, which then leads me to like, okay, well, is there some stuff that Jackson could do that is maybe not special, but like, is there some other reason to draft him other than just like a cost controlled, like, yes, he could do the things yeah. asset? Yeah, I just wrote a short Isaiah Jackson thing for the Strickland, and it was my favorite one to write. Um, I I agree with you. I don't think it's. I definitely don't think it's necessary to draft a center given how easily you can find them, and that we have Mitch. Um, but that being said, like if they really feel he's really good, and there's reason to believe he's really good, can I can I just nitpick it? What what is really good for him? What what does that look like? I'll tell you right now. So here's some numbers. I'm gonna throw at you. Love it. I got my catcher's mitt. <laughs> uh, the number of college freshmen since 2008 who have a 0.5 or 50% free throw rate and 11% block rate and shot 60% higher from the free throw line. It's Isaiah Jackson and four other guys. Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns, Jaron Jackson Jr. Oh, wow. And then here's That's... some more numbers. Here's some more. That's a nice list. His defensive box plus minus on Kentucky, a team that sucked, <laughs> was the highest in the SEC. Really? His defensive rating on Kentucky, a team that sucked, was the fourth highest in the SEC, and he was the only freshman in the top five. I, again, Wait, I don't... I got, I got more. I got oh, more. please, I got yes. More. His defensive rebound percentage of 23, his total rebound percentage of 17.7 were say it with me highest in the sec his Not block freshman just highest highest overall highest in the sec shit block percentage 12.7 highest that, in the sec i was about to say that's got to be highest in the yeah. SEC. so and he's doing all this despite like mitch when he came into the league being raw he's fouls too much he's probably gonna get 10 fouls in his first summer league game so like he doesn't even know <laughs> what he's doing yet and, and you didn't even mention there's like six clips out there of it Ball handling in the open court. He can, he can, he can do a little something. something. He can he show can. He showed a couple things. Um, right. I just, here's what I'll say about him. I, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing when I'm watching college basketball. I'll readily admit it. But when I watched, because I was watching a lot of Kentucky early on for for BJ Boston, because I was convinced yeah. that the Knicks were going to pick in the top five and BJ Boston would be the pick. So you and should, me both. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and just whenever I would watch them, um, I'd be like, who the fuck is that dude? And I, obviously talking about Jackson, because he just, he just pops off the screen. Um, so yeah, um, I, I'd be down for that. Okay. Last guy I want to talk about. Um, unless, well, I'll give you a chance to, to shout anybody else out that you really want to talk about, but I just want to, uh, quickly about Quentin Grimes. So Quentin Grimes is a, a name that we've heard come up. Um, I believe Berman has been on this reporting. 
if uh, possibly other people uh second round mocked you know for for a lot of people throughout the year now inching up um you know we and again we saw with last year with Emmanuel quickly second round mocked most of the year the Knicks wanted their guy they got their guy and turned out pretty well um so it's not uh, I don't think anybody should put it past them to if he's the guy they want at 21 maybe they take him at 21 the shooting numbers seem pretty good for a two guard right nice size seems like he's a pretty good offensive player why why is I'm gonna ask you this why is Grimes not higher than for most people because this is his first year shooting really well Oh, okay. It's similar why a lot of people on Twitter don't like Davian Mitchell for shooting. Because, well, Davian Mitchell shot 64% from the free throw line, so it's a little different. But, like, Quentin Grimes shoots, quote-unquote, only, like, 80 from the line, I think. And Okay, that's not bad. I mean, that's fine. No, that's fine. But, like, the three-point numbers before this year weren't anything to write home about. And then this year they became completely spectacular out of the blue. So it's like... Is he a great shooter or did he have a great shooting year? I don't know. Okay. Do you like him? Yeah. I, you know, we talked earlier about like willingness to shoot. And I think of all the guys that you'll see in the whole draft class, pretty much like guys mocked in the top of like 50. I don't think anybody took more threes per 100 possessions, which is like a good, it's a good way to see how willing someone is to shoot um, even more than three point rate. Um, and the only other guy who comes close is Bones Highland, who took 14. For comparison, quickly on the Knicks, I think took like 12 or 13 per 100. Okay. And that's with him, you know, pump faking and passing up open threes like once a game or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about a guy who can shoot off the dribble, shoot off movement, shoot off the catch, willing and able, 6'5", 21, built, defends, rebounds. So like... This you're guy. selling it to me. Guy. Waiting to happen. No, you're selling it to me. And uh, the numbers I have here for, again from Synergy off the dribble, 139 possessions off the dribble in the 63rd percentile there, uh, 58th percentile spot ups. <laughs> I can't even say this was JV. 192 spot ups to go with 139 off the dribble jumpers. Like the volume's there. So he took a large amount of threes. <laughs> <laughs> He was not shy. And he, ran, and he ran a decent amount of possessions as the pick and roll ball handler. You know, he's like, he's doing some different stuff. He was a point guard. And then he grew. And you don't want him anywhere near the point guard position in the NBA. But he was a point guard, which means like. Yeah, but he, he, could, run, you're, he could run a pick and roll. Right, so, right. Okay. He could dribble the ball, unlike Reggie Bullock. Yeah, but <laughs> so again, I, I, this is my, my big takeaway from this, from this postseason is like, we have to stop thinking about. Not that we have to stop thinking about, but like the binary of like, is he a point guard? No. Okay. Well then it's like, can you put the ball on the floor if somebody requires you to do that? And yeah. So if he could do that, then that's pretty important. Um, is there anybody we did not touch on that you would, you would feel like you have wronged the listeners to this podcast <laughs> if we did not say words about? <laughs> yeah. My boy Deuce McBride. Oh, how did I know? How did I know? <laughs> Um, so this is the uh, uh, point guard out of uh, West Virginia. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, point guard, combo guard, depends who you ask. Um, he is another one who's like, why isn't he talked about more? Right? He shot forty percent for three and was an amazing defender and had 
high profile games like dropping 37 on Kansas head and shit like that. And so why isn't he talking about more? His freshman year is, is the year before is disappointing. Same with Shane man, say with Quentin Grimes, same with all these dudes. Um, he had a disappointing freshman year, came back, um, shot. He didn't shoot well last year. He shot like low thirties from three. Okay. Um, and he wasn't a bad shooter, but he didn't have a good shooting year. But this year he shot like 40% from three on, not crazy Quentin Grimes volume, but like he was shooting it. And then he had free throws and he took a lot of, he took most of his shots from mid range. So uh, he was a mid range. They had him, West Virginia is weird. They played this year, bigs. Yeah, this year. He took and made threes, but he also took and made a lot of mid range shots. They would like post him up because he is really strong for a six foot two, six foot three guy. Okay. Um, he's like, I don't know what they give the point guards for West Virginia because they always got these dudes who are mad strong, Javon Carter, and but McBride's arms are like six foot nine wingspan, and he moves laterally like it looks like you're watching him in fast forward. He's an incredible point of attack defender, and to me, that's something the Knicks lack. Um, they have a bunch of good defenders positionally, but nobody aside from Frank, who's probably gone, uh, who's you can be like lock this dude up and. McBride can do that, even though he's short, because unlike Davian Mitchell, he is not six feet tall. He's six foot two and a half, and he has six foot nine wingspan. I, I, he has one of the biggest uh, differentials in the draft in terms yeah. of wingspan, right? Yeah. And then the thing that really made me move him up his board, up my board, is um, watching them. His handle was a lot better than I thought. Okay. I just assumed he was like a bully bowling ball. You know, I'm stronger than you, and I can also shoot threes. But no, he actually can like break some ankles out here so he's similar to jared butler and trey man it's like those guys have better handle than him but his is pretty good and all three of them it's the same question of like can they use the handle for more than just trey man uses it the most because he uses it to get those threes but with like butler and mcbride they have the same thing it's like can they use their handle to create threes or to get to the rim because neither of them really do it a ton but with deuce I mean, Jared Butler's a great defender, too, but with Deuce, you're pairing that with, like, like I'm in love with his defense. This man, he's like he's like a Frank type. I love I, it. I mean, it's just, and there's so many guys we didn't even talk about. He Like, this is a guy that he could go in the second round. It, it feels like this is going to be one of those drafts where you're just going to be looking through the board a couple years from now, and you're going to be seeing guys taken in the 20s and the 30s maybe even the forties yeah. who were like, yeah, yeah. Who were like, Oh shit. Like this guy's like a real, like a helpful NBA rotation player on like a good team. Especially cause these like teams are getting weird, right? Like you got big point guards and Giannis and Luca and like, you don't need regular point guards on half the teams. You need it on the Knicks, but you need it on, <laughs> on other, like if you let one of these combo guard dudes go play next to like Luca or Giannis, like they'll be just fine. <laughs> we'll be hearing about them for many years. Um, this was fun. Anything else we should say before we get out of here? Once a week at undetermined time in the middle of the week, uh, I think we might keep it going. Initially, our plan was to stop after the draft, like, but I don't know. We might keep it going. People like it, so I don't know. We'll see. It's a great pod. It's informative. You are um, – there. many people on the internet have give no fucks attitude about them. Yours hits different because I don't, I don't tend to love those people. I could always listen to you talk. It's great because you're really smart. 
That's just because y'all y'all are used to hearing me next to Schwinn, so I. Look, I mean, when really, I have my own pod. You know, I look that much more. Who spectacular. can you put next to Schwinn that would look worse next to Schwinn? I think that's the honest question, right? That's true. That's true. Fair question. All right. This was a lot of fun. Uh, just as a reminder, um, we're going to be the pods are going to be coming out every orifice of, of the uh, communal KFS body over the next couple of weeks to keep you up to date on all of the draft news, trade news, free agency news, everything. Um, so, you know, um, don't don't turn that dial. Um, I think I'm showing my age there. And uh, don't forget to, if you're not subscribed to the Patreon, uh, subscribe <laughs> to the Patreon where we have bonus pods coming at you. Um, in addition to, uh, I'll have like my Macri mini takes uh, anytime that there's something interesting that happens that I just want to comment on. Uh, I think that's it. And uh, stay tuned for another episode coming at you very soon. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.